Ready? Yep. It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Usually legislative sessions start out kind of slow and pick up the pace as they go along, but we're only a couple weeks in and it feels like there's a lot happening. And already a lot of tension, tweets, fights, floor speeches. Man, it feels like we're in the middle of session. But it's fun. It is. I'm kind of excited. Still has this newness to it. I know it's going to wear off, but I'm enjoying just about every part of this legislative session so far. So as far as the news goes, we're going to take it all the way back to Friday, (laughs) which feels like it was a long time ago. Sky and I share a notes app where we're just putting things in this notes app that, you know, we want to talk about. Best friends. (laughs) We want to talk about on the podcast and this thing filled up quickly. That's true. I started putting notes on here on Friday, which usually I don't do until the week of. But on Friday, the Supreme Court announced that they will take up voter ID and redistricting. The ruling wasn't that they were reversing the decision. It's that they're going to rehear the case. So the lawyers come back in for a redo? Is that essentially what they said on Friday Sky? They said the court can take that case if the folks who are petitioning for it to be reheard said that the opinion has an error in it, and that is what the legislature was arguing. It seems to me that we're going to be able to redraw districts at the legislative and congressional level, and we're going to hear voter ID. Chances are next election, it will we will require a voter ID in order to vote. Then on Saturday, the world watched the balloon saga across the Carolinas and eventually shot down in Myrtle Beach area. Yeah, it's totally appropriate to shoot the balloon down in Myrtle Beach, I might add. I was at the beach, and you could see it from Curry Beach, which is the beach just south of Carolina Beach. But I had woken up, I believe, Saturday morning. Our friend Matt Balance, he's a firefighter out in Asheville. He lives in Henderson County. He had taken a photo of the balloon as it passed over his house. But this seemed to enrapture in the entire nation as we watched this balloon. Uh, I think it first got noticed in Montana and mm-hmm. it drifted into North Carolina. I think Representative John Torbett had put out the trajectory of the balloon and it felt like the days of the Cold War. You're too young for this, but I remember in the 80s, you know, we always thought the, the Russians were going to blow us up or we were going to blow us all up. And it just felt like that. I liked all of the tweets about it. I That was Twitter at its best, you know? It was. Different comments on the balloon, like saying the balloon says this. Or then all of the comments about it getting shot down in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Like, we've all lost a little something there before. What I liked about it, and this is usually what I like about Twitter when we have a big debate or something big going on nationally in politics is... I just never realized how many foreign policy experts Mm -hmm. are on Twitter. Yeah, always. I mean, uh, in addition to constitutional scholars, we have a lot of foreign policy experts. Also over the weekend, we heard from the Assembly 
that Congressman Mark Walker is considering running for governor. Congressman Walker used to be in Congress. He was kind of redrawn out of his district. The last time we saw him on the political scene, he was running in a primary for the U.S. Senate. Former Governor Pat McCrory was in that race and ended up being won by Congressman, then Congressman Ted Budd. I believe that, you know, that was a tough primary for that U.S. Senate. I think he's jumping into an even tougher race for governor. His friend, Mark Robinson, is the presumptive front runner for the Republican nomination for governor. You know, I don't know that Walker really stands a chance, but I do believe that Congressman Walker could play a role if someone else gets in the race. Does Congressman Walker become the spoiler to Mark Robinson, giving someone, Tom Tillis, maybe Dale Falwell, maybe someone else, an opportunity to take out Mark Robinson, which I know is on the mind of a lot of Republicans. There's some concerns about that race. We heard some bad news this week. Uh, Senator Mike Woodard sent over a message, and he put it on Twitter, that former Senator Jerry Tillman, Republican from Randolph County, long-serving legislator, died this week. Senator Tillman was 82 years old. You know, he had served in the General Assembly when Democrats were in control, Republicans were in control. An education go-to legislator, even for Democrats, Uh, Senator Tillman was a former teacher. He's a former coach, administrator. He's also a small business owner, farmer, a NASCAR fan, and he loved to sing. Loved to sing. If you were visiting Senator Tillman in his office, chances are he would go right into a ditty that he had either written or an old Waylon Jennings song or a Merle Haggard song, but a really great guy. He was a hulking tall, big guy with an oversized personality, fun to be around. And I'd like to point out that he and Senator Woodard had a very special relationship, had little in common politically, but Senator Tillman and Senator Woodard were often seen uh, some of our late night sessions or tomato sandwich day, they would sing a duet. And it was really politics at its best. Our condolences to the Tillman family, to the legislators that served with him, uh, his constituents, his friends. He will be missed. So that was the weekend recap. (laughs) Yeah. Then Monday came. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So on Monday night, we talked about it last week. The Parents' Bill of Rights was over in the Senate, went through committees, and it went through the Rules Committee on Monday night, which took a while. Senator Bill Rabin, who's been on our podcast, has always had a long tradition of if you want to speak for or against the bill, he opens up the floor. And we were there for a long time listening. We kept kept thinking, like, this must be the last speaker. Yeah. This must be the last speaker. And then they thought that they had finished, and then one more person got up. That's right. I, I think... About 35 folks ended up speaking. So take 35 and then multiply that by two minutes. And you get the idea that we were there for quite a long time. Balanced arguments on both sides. The bill passed along party lines. It goes to the Senate floor on Tuesday. 
again, a party line vote. Not everyone was in attendance on Tuesday, but the bill is now in the House. And that leads to some announcements that we heard this week. Speaker Tim Moore talked about how they're dealing with Senate bills. Yeah, Speaker Moore said, hey, they're going to pass their bills, we're going to pass our bills, and then we'll get to negotiating. He thought it would be like a month before they ended up getting to Senate bills. And I know a lot of lobbyists are going around the building trying to figure out what the timeline is on certain bills, whether they're for it or against it. But if you're looking for the Parents' Bill of Rights in the next two or three weeks, you might want to wait on that. We're probably going to be well into March before that bill is taken up on the House side. We do want to point out that while inside the committee, everything was pretty civil. Mm-hmm. There were some funny moments. There were some sad moments. Uh, debate was good. It was good. It was robust. And the public needs that opportunity to talk. But we did see a moment the following morning, Tuesday morning. There was a Twitter dust-up between an advocate that was opposed to the bill with a broadcaster, maybe has a radio show who's for the bill. They get into a Twitter fight that really turned bizarre and unfortunate. We're not going to get into that Twitter fight. For one thing, this is a family show. Uh, if you <laughs> want... <laughs> I'm sure there's tons of kids who are tuning in every week. Well, we do have some legislators that listen in the car, so we we don't want, you know. If you want to check out that exchange, you know, you can go to the Carolina Journal. I encourage you to have an urban dictionary with you as you look at this exchange. But it does bring up this bigger point, and we've said it on the podcast before, these Twitter fights about bills really do nothing to advance a cause. I've never seen name calling get anyone to change their mind. Everyone loses. On Wednesday morning, the House started moving the Speaker's rioting bill. Um, we talked about that last week, and that went through two committees and then went to the floor yesterday and had robust debate. Long House session. We talked to a freshman legislator yesterday, and we, you know, we'd spoken to him prior to when the session began. So, how's it going? He's man, that was a long session today. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the House, sir. <laughs> Everyone's got something to say. But yeah, the bill passed the House. It passed by a margin that should be able to sustain a veto if it comes to that. So the Senate has the bill, but again, we probably won't see this pop up until maybe the spring over on that chamber. Also on Wednesday, we saw the unveiling of the House's version of Medicaid expansion. This bill is sponsored by Representative Donnie Lambeth. He's an appropriations chair, former hospital administrator in Forsyth County. He is a strong proponent of Medicaid expansion, always has been. Uh, This is a clean bill. We're not looking at any certificate of need reform. We're not looking at any scope of practice for nurse practitioners. We talked to an advocate the other day, works on Medicaid expansion. Uh, She said that this March deadline is real, that we really need to have this legislation in place by March. Clock is ticking. And this is about drawing down federal dollars. So look for this bill. You will hear it or hear about it, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. 
the controversy continues because in the education committee, there was a proposal to change the way our state board of education is structured. You might remember we had DPI superintendent Catherine Truitt on the podcast last year. She talked about how just the leadership structure is just so messed up. She runs DPI. And then you have the state board of education, which is setting policy. They're appointees of the governor. Now, this has been a long time problem Mm -hmm. that ever since I've been in politics going back to the 2000s. I remember June Atkinson had this problem. Uh, Bob Etheridge had this problem before that. It, it is just a mess. So what this bill does, and this is a Hugh Blackwell bill, Representative Hugh Blackwell, he's an education chair. This bill has the State Board of Education up for election. And I believe it's by congressional districts. They're elected, and then the state superintendent, of course, that position is elected. The superintendent becomes the chair of the state board of education. So it really streamlines the structure so you don't have this two-headed bureaucracy, which is the current system. But again, Democrats are saying, hey, you're taking power away from the executive branch. And that's where the rub is. I do want to point out that that portion of the bill is a constitutional amendment. So the voters would decide whether or not we're going to put that in our constitution and then elect those members. And that would be on the ballot next November, which is a presidential election. That's next year's problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of constitutional amendments, last week we reported about Senator Phil Berger endorsing an amendment to the Constitution that would take out this literacy test that we put in the Constitution in 1900 in response to the freeing of slaves here in North Carolina. The bill was filed in the House. It's House Bill 44, and it's bipartisan. It was filed by Representative Kelly Alexander, Representative Jason Sane, Representative Terry Brown, and Representative Sarah Stevens. So this, again, would be a presidential 2024 election. So amidst all of this policy news, there's also, in the background, the budget process is starting. This process started on Wednesday. So we're having joint appropriation meetings, and this is where the various departments and agencies come to the General Assembly and give kind of a crash course on what they do, the money that they get from the General Assembly, how they spend that money, gives an opportunity for legislators to ask questions about various programs, are they needed, kind of look under the hood and see what's necessary, see what the needs are. It's also very important for freshman legislators who probably are unaware of the vast services that state government provides the people of North Carolina. Those meetings are at 8.30 in the morning. They have them by subcommittee. So you have education, transportation, health and human services, the whole list. Some of these discussions are fascinating, even 20-some years into this, I'm still learning when I go to these meetings. But this is all in an effort to get us to budget writing, which we think will start in the spring. I also want to note that we should see a budget forecast next week. So that will really tell people how much money the state has, what that budget is going to look like. 
We're also going to see Governor Roy Cooper's budget drop in March. This will be his priorities. Additionally, on Wednesday, the Josh Stein saga continued, and the Fourth Circuit, there was a panel that ruled in favor of Attorney General Stein saying that our law on the books was likely unconstitutional. So this was the law, you know, he's being charged with essentially lying in a campaign for Attorney General against Jim O'Neill and Wake County DA Lauren Freeman. Sounds like she was just seconds away from a grand jury Mm -hmm. uh, panel in which they were going to bring charges. Uh, The Stein campaign uh, goes to the federal courts. And yeah, it sounds like he's got a reprieve. Is this a final decision, Sky? Is there somewhere else to go? It could be appealed. It could go to the Supreme Court, but I'm not sure if that's something they're going to pursue or not. So this was in his race for attorney general. We all know that Attorney General Josh Stein is running for governor in 2024. He is the presumptive front runner. But we heard this past weekend, Sky, that someone has thrown their hat in the ring, or at least hinted that he's going to throw his hat in the ring to replace Attorney General Josh Stein. He wants to run as a Republican for attorney general. That is Ray Starling. He's counsel to the Chamber of Commerce. I believe we've said that before, that his name was in the mix, but he did announce that this past week at an agriculture dinner. So we're going to move him from the unsubstantiated rumor column to substantiated rumor column. (laughs) So yeah, congratulations to Ray Starling. He is a longtime political operative. He worked for Speaker Tom Tillis, then went on to work for Senator Tom Tillis, and he's been bouncing around the advocacy community. Talented lawyer, talented guy. In other moves this week, we just want to note that Colin Campbell did take the Jeff Tiberi job at WUNC, and Will Dorn from the News and Observer is now at WRAL. This week, we got to sit down with Representative Ben Moss, who is running for labor commissioner in 2024, and really dig in on his interesting life. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Ben Moss, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. To start us off, tell us about your district. Where is your district? Why do you think your district's special? My district's 52. I have Richmond County and a portion of Moore. As you know, Moore split in the three separate uh, districts right now, but uh, I like my district. It's it's a very rural area, my part, and then it eases up into more, which is not as rural as Richmond County. Good people, uh, just all around, just small, small town life. Born and raised in Richmond County? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Born and raised in Rockingham, actually. Okay. So, uh, been there my whole life, except for Certain times I wandered off and come back. Okay. Does that have anything to do with your work on the railroad? It did and some other things, but yeah, um, I spent a little time in Atlanta, a little time in Cincinnati and Cumberland, Maryland, a few other little places. 
And you were the first Republican elected to the Richmond County Commission? Yeah, well, the first one in 126 years. Wow. Oh, wow. Which I, I didn't know that at the time. I had ran two previous times for commissioner. I believe it was in 06, 08, somewhere around there. My, my years run together a little bit on that. But the third time I did get elected, I didn't think it was uh, as historic as what the other individuals had pointed out. But, yeah, 126 years, and then now the total board is – Republican. Yeah. Right. A rural area. It seems hard to fathom yeah. that Republicans weren't elected there. What made you want to get into politics? My daughter. Oh. Uh, when I became a father in 06, uh, got to looking at, you know, my little girl and thinking, hey, there's a lot of people that moved away that I went to school with. They would go to college, never come back. And uh, population was declining, you know. And I thought, well, no need in complaining about it. You can run for office, or you can be like everybody else and just sit around and complain. So I went down and filed as a Republican, and that got a lot of attention when I didn't file as a Democrat. Did you just grow up as a Republican, or did you have this awakening that that came that made you a Republican? Uh, Most of my family were registered Democrats. Yeah. About every one of them, except for maybe my uncle, my dad's brother. He He was a Republican from my earliest memories but when i registered to vote he and i had talked a lot and he was the only one that really talked about politics and Mm -hmm. i said well i think i'm a republican i always liked reagan and different stuff i did have people approach me and tell me that my grandparents would be disappointed that i was a republican i mean it's a little small town so everybody knows everybody Mm -hmm. all right so you said earlier that you lost your first two elections to the county commission it was pretty bad (laughs) <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Did you see it coming? Well, I had a feeling, but you know, I didn't think it would be that bad. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I don't like losing. This is terrible. So uh-huh. I said, I'm, I'm going to do it again. They're, you know, they're going to have to beat me again. And they did. Oh, wow. But this time it wasn't quite as bad. And my wife, she approached me. She said, you're not really going to run again, are you? Not a third time. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to run. Third time's a charm. I yeah. I believe I'm wearing them down. I'm getting ready to win. <laughs> Got them just where you yeah. need them. And, you know, I'm I'm looking all beaten, banged up from the two previous elections where I was beat badly. But now, what years are we talking about here? Give let's us see here. Oh six, oh eight, and I guess ten would probably be when I won. I won by like thirty six votes. Wow. wow. So I I was on the board then, you know, and I, I didn't even know what it paid. I went to orientation and. <laughs> They had put me with like the chairman, vice chairman, guys that had been up there forever. Because normally, when you get on, when you got in those positions, you stayed a while. And I remember the first couple questions I asked them, and then the, by the third or fourth one, I said, "Does this job pay anything?" You know. <laughs> and they said, "Well, if you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons." Uh-huh. I said, "Well, if I was doing it for the money, I would have known before I ran." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was. Oh, well, you get a little bit of a salary. I was like, okay, you know, that's great, and. Luckily, my job worked with me, and I was able to be a commissioner, and it was it was fun, but it was also scary at the same time because I really didn't have any idea what all local government did involving that position. So what made you want to make the jump from local government to state government? Well, I really enjoyed being a commissioner in the last election. 
you know, I, I had got reelected. Then third time I got high spoke getter and I was on cloud nine. I'm like, I went from getting beat badly a couple of times to low vote getter now to high vote getter. And when Ken Goodman was put on the industrial commission. He was former representative. He was serving in the House Democrat, Main Street Democrat. He Yes. Governor Cooper appointed him to? I don't think so. I think he was, uh, someone had recommended him in the House was in favor in, in oh. the chambers of putting him, the best of my remembrance. Okay. But now Governor Cooper picked his replacement. And at the Scott time. Brewer. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And at the time, I, I didn't. I didn't really like the way that was going and one of those occasions where somebody's got to step up and run and they're like okay you run i was like okay yeah i'll run then that's when i learned about all the wonderful side of politics on the state level that was a crash course but men's got talk now i mean you know i see him we live in a small little town and i think my wife used to babysit his kids you know way before she and i met but it was one of those things where i wanted to run you know and he was appointed and he ran for re-election and then finally, that district, which was 66, then flipped to Republican, and I think it had been Democrat for like 40 or 50 years right. or so. Right. So we're talking that's 2020, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your career. For 23 years, 22 years, I worked for the railroad, CSX. Uh, at 18 years old, they actually had a program where you could go to Georgia. Mm-hmm. There was a little college called Clayton State University, and you would pay to go to that course. And, and that's when you were in Atlanta? Yeah. Okay. So they had it in Atlanta. So I was 18 and just graduated. And of course, now my father had worked on the railroad forever. You know, my mother started a family sort of textiles. My father worked for the railroad. He was just a good man. He, he, mm-hmm. he taught us all a lot of good things that we needed to know. But he never mentioned the railroad a whole lot. He never mentioned politics. And he was he was a smaller guy, real quiet. Real good guy, but I told him I come home one day from school, and I said, "Look, I I think I know what I'm gonna do." Well, he had college on his mind. That's all he wanted. You know, you're going to college, and we had three options, or I did. I have two two sisters, but my options were you you went to college first and foremost. That's what he wanted. If you didn't do that, you went in the military, or lastly, you got a job. So I came home and I said, "I'm going to work for the railroad," and he said, "No, that's not happening." Yeah, I thought about it and thought about it. So I went and got my mom and sisters. I was like, "I need help with him." I think if we all attack him on this, we can get him to go my way. Mm-hmm. And he seen it. He figured it out when it happened. And he said, okay, you can go try it. And I was like, well, I need the money for the school. And he's like, okay, I'll let you borrow it. Here's, here's 4000 You will pay me back every payday when you get paid. Mm. You will give me exactly half back. Wow. I was like, all right, this is what I get. You know, he wanted me to go to college. He was willing to take care of it. But if I chose this, you know, hey, here you go. So I went and they gave me a job after I completed the course and they sent me multiple places and brought me back home to Hamlet. That's where the big terminal was. And I went to work and every two weeks I gave them half my check and got them paid back. It's a good paying job on the railroad. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you figure for our area, it's it's a very good job. I mean, you had a lot of great benefits, uh, health benefits, and you could make six figures a year, you know, without a college education and have a pretty good life where I live in. And it's a union job. It is. It's a clothes shop. You have, you know, you belong to a union. And I didn't know anything about unions when I went out there. I, you know, said, okay, hey, it's nice to meet you guys. You know, they brought some, what they called local chairmen, which were shop stewards, but mm-hmm. guys that would help you and go through contractual stuff. And after about three or four years, I felt like the younger guys wasn't getting any representation. So <laughs> I said, well, 
they need somebody to run against the other guy. And I went in and made a motion to cut his salary. I figured that would get the fires going. You know, he'd yeah. start representing us. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it caused a lot of trouble for me, but he did, you know, at the time the shop steward started looking after the younger guys a little better. And next thing you know, I was within the ranks and they gave me a chance to do the job. Oh, wow. And so I was elected to be a local chairman. Was that before you were running for county commission? Yeah, yeah it was before county commission. It was like in 2002, I believe, 2002 or three. Now that introduced me to politics. Church politics, union politics, and then, yeah. you know, the politics I'm in now. But after a year, I got beat. Mm. There was an older group that didn't like the fact that I was a registered Republican. Mm. So, you know, your politics start taking its course then, you sure. know. Well, some of the stronger people within the union didn't like the fact that I was a Republican. And then some Republicans didn't like the fact that I was a union guy. And at the time, there was an older gentleman ran against me and, and beat me. Beat me by like two votes. And he had a job for a year and lost a lot of the membership. And when he passed away, they gave me the job back and I had it for 10 or 12 years. There's this general idea that Republicans and unions don't go together. But this doesn't seem to be the case with you. It's almost like I'm a mythical creature sometimes. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, both sides I get a lot of static from. But I am who I am. And I've had to make that comment to several individuals. They would say, well, there's no way I'm supporting you as a candidate because you're a Republican and you're a union guy. And I'd say, well, I understand, you know. But if if you have that feeling, you should probably go back to your office and take that picture of Reagan down. Right. Well, what do you mean? Well, do a little research. Ronald Reagan was the president of the Film Actors Union. Yeah. And I'm not comparing myself to Reagan by any means, but, you know, Reagan was involved with the union and Reagan was a Republican. So yeah. I think now in society we're getting a little bit past that because a lot of my membership were conservative guys that voted conservatively, and they didn't care how anybody asked them to vote. They they voted with a lot of things in mind besides just their paychecks. Right. I, for one, uh, have found that there's good and bad in everything in life. Good and bad in unions, good and bad in politicians, good and bad in everything. But at the end of the day, I, I'll listen to anybody give their opinion and you know try to see if I can get something from their line of thinking or, or the way that they think. But now, I don't believe everything should be organized. You know, I've had to question about right to work, you know, and I said, well, I feel this way. There's certain things that need to be organized and certain things that do not. I was in a a very tough job, very safety-oriented. I had a lot of friends disabled, you know, died. I mean, there's just a lot of bad things that can happen in that kind of industry, which I'm glad I worked in that industry. It took care of me and my family. Well, it took care of me my whole life, but with all that being said, some industries do not need to be organized. Mm. And a lot of people, oh, you just, it's a politically correct answer you're giving. No, it's a heartfelt answer. And if you talk to most union guys, that's what normally most of them think. So when you came into the legislature, first of all, similar to the county commission, did you look up the salary? <laughs> <laughs> I did understand a little bit about what it paid. And I just scratched my head. And when I got up here, got to work in a little bit, and the railroad said, well, hey, we've never had anybody go to state government, the, the railroad I work for. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to act. You know, we, I said, hey, okay. They said, we'll give you a leave of absence. We'll freeze your job. You know, it'll be there. But we can't just let you come in and work a few days a week. And I said, okay. And about a few weeks later, they cut my insurance off, and I was totally devastated. And I yeah. said, well, okay, I understand this. 
after a while, though, um, you get to thinking about that money for being a part-time legislator. <laughs> and I said, well, my friend had a tire shop. And he said, why don't you come down and hang out with me, man? If you don't mind getting dirty working a little bit, you know, you, you might have a good time down here. And, you know, you can make some extra money. I said, well, that, fine, that sounds great to me. You know, I'll be there. <laughs> so the day's not in Raleigh. I would go home, and I would go to this tire shop that's in Garland Pierce's district yeah. in Scotland County and, and work. You know, people would come up. I'd be changing or, or whatever needed to be done, having a ball, and actually making some money to help pay bills. And he approached me one day after, I guess it was months of working there, and he said, I think I'm going to retire. you want to buy this place? And I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, I don't know. I mean, let me talk to my wife. And I've always worked, and we had a couple small businesses in the past, and, you know, it just didn't pan out. At one time I had a used car lot, next time I had a convenience store, and it just never panned out. And she said, well, I don't know. What do you, what do you want to do? I wouldn't mind owning it, you know, but let me, let me ask one of my real good friends if he wants to go in business with me. And when I got in touch with him, he said, yeah, sounds great. Let's try it. So we bought it in March. Wow. Had a great time when I'm up in Raleigh. He's back there looking after it. And then normally when I'm out of session, he'll go have fun with whatever he wants to do. So, I mean, we wow. sort of look out for each other. And as a matter of fact, he's uh, well, a lot of people would find this funny, but he's He's Ken Goodman's nephew. (laughs) Is that right? So, I mean, you know, it's a small town, and, you know, his grandfather is R.W. Goodman. Wow. And, and, you know, that's one of the most powerful families in our area. That's right. I laugh and and joke with him about being in business with a Republican. (laughs) You know, you don't have to worry about it. You can trust me, you know, and Uh I like to mess with him, but. Well, let's talk about your decision in 2022 to run for re-election. You were double-bunked with a long-time-serving legislator, Representative Jamie Bowles, who was first elected, I believe, in 2008. You had to challenge him because you wanted to stay in the General Assembly. He challenged you because he wanted to stay in the General Assembly. That was a tough time for you, wasn't it? Oh, that was terrible. I mean, really, really terrible. Yeah. When, when the redistricting happens, and it just so happened at a lovely time where I just completed my first, yeah. I mean, just my first tour, as I'd call it. But <laughs> I'm looking at it, and then it looks like I'm going to be thrown in the Coliseum, the way I look mm-hmm. at it, me and Bowles. And I'm going, no, me and him, we're, we're friends. We talk. Right. He actually brought me up here and showed me around the first time I'd been here since maybe fifth grade, yeah. you know. And uh, I didn't have anything against him. and. I'm like, maybe something can happen. And at the end, it was like, no, you can either run against Bowles or you can go home. A lot of people were telling me, you know, well, just just go on and go home and it'll be okay. Maybe they can use you in some capacity. And I said, no, I'm not, I don't want to go home. I thought, I'm just going to have to run. And, you know, mm-hmm. I said, Jamie, I'm going to have to run. We'll let the people decide. And I knew all the numbers were with Moore County because of the registered Republicans, a majority are in that county versus Richmond County. We still have a lot of unaffiliated and mm-hmm. a lot of Democrat voters. And I just said, well, you know, I, all I'll do is just try my best, you know, and see what happened. But it was discouraging because everybody had seen the General Assembly. They'd be like, oh, man, I, I really enjoyed serving with you. They had counted you out. Yeah, they were bringing flowers to the funeral, and I hadn't even passed away. <laughs> oh, no. And, and I'm going, well, well, I've enjoyed serving with you. <laughs> I don't know if this is the end or not. We, you know, we do have a primary. Yeah. And 
we worked our tail off. I mean, uh, we, we really worked at it. And I mean, that was rough. Yeah. Everybody was just counting us out. Now there's no way you're going to win. There's no way. Okay. We're going to keep trying. And I'm a faith based guy. So, I mean, I'd, I I bet God was tired of hearing about that one. I mean, I prayed (laughs) about it all the time. I said, we're going to work hard. I'm going to try to work in more. And you know, you got this guy from Richmond County coming to more and trying to meet people and talk to them and get support. And at the end of the primary, it ended up being that I won it, in yeah. which it shocked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So then I'm trying to stay humble, and people are saying, oh, you're the giant slayer. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't really like to word it that way, because me yeah. and Jamie weren't enemies. You know, right. mm-hmm. It was something we were made to do. I mean, sort of like a movie where they say, all right, you two got to fight each other and win or lives or something. You know, Maybe right. not that serious, but when you get thrown in that arena and, hey, you two guys are going to run, and one's going home and one's going to be back. I did talk to Jamie the other day, and I don't think he seemed too sad when he and I were on the phone. I mean, because I, I called him and asking him questions, and I know he was like, he's asking me questions, and hey, I'm, my strength is I know my weaknesses, so I don't mind calling and asking people for help. And right. I felt like me and him still were on, on good terms. I, there's no hard feelings from me. I did exchange text messages with Representative Bowles. It was opening day of session, and he seems happy as can be. <laughs> He might have won, actually. Yeah, if you think about I'm just giving certain individuals my cell phone number because I've had some unique calls lately. And when I hang up, I'm going, I think Bowles put him up to that. Yeah, yeah, thank think, you, Jamie. Yeah, I think he's having fun with the grandkids back home. So let's talk a little bit about your decision to run for labor commissioner. Why labor commissioner? Well, to me, that that seemed like the logical fit for my life. I felt like I had been prepared for that because you know i've signed the front of checks and backs of checks i've mainly worked in labor my whole life worked for someone else worked in an industry that had to understand unions been a part of a union Mm -hmm. and that's a shocker for some people and i'm sure that they won't like that but there's a lot of people that don't understand unions they don't understand what they're for their purpose or anything but they just know that they're bad i got to thinking you know maybe i should run Mm -hmm. maybe i should run because i understand the union side, I understand the small business side. I understand all these inspections that have to occur, everything that's involved with the job. I don't know them all, but just some of the hot topic items that are listed. And when you talk to people, I mean, there's certain things you need to try to do as a labor commissioner. And I believe the pendulum never should swing too far one way or the other, especially mm-hmm. with a job like that. And it's a very important job. I mean, worker safety is a big deal. So in the 1990s, the Imperial Foods down in Hamlet. Imperial Food Fire, yes. I mean, it killed like a couple dozen folks, right? Oh, yes. It was a major, major catastrophe for North Carolina. And I had a lot of friends that lost their, you know, fathers, uncles. I remember being at school and they were coming to get people out of class. And they were leaving, and at the time, you didn't know why. And then you find out that there was a big fire, and a lot of people died. And that was a very bad time for the area that I live in, and especially North Carolina. You you never want to see anything like that happen. And correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that the doors to the plant were locked. There were folks who were literally burnt alive, trapped inside their workplace, trying to get out. Is that what happened? From my studies on it, yes, sir, they were trying to do some uh, product control where they were losing inventory. Yeah. Whatever way that it was, I don't know if they're reading it, selling it, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But at the time, there had been rumors of chains around doors. 
Yeah. Uh, I did have countless people talk about like footprints on the doors where somebody would be trying to kick them open and mm. just, just, oh, just terrible, terrible things to think about. But that's something that I hope no other place has to go through. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. 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 It was sort of chilling when you talked about that. Speaking of safety, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the substation attack and you're really kind of leading the way on that. Can you talk about what happened and what you foresee for the future? Well, I can tell you that somebody vandalized it and pretty much we had a lot of people in Moore County without energy for several, several days. Mm -hmm. I was able to go tour the location with well, actually, I went on two separate tours and looked at different things, and Duke was great to work with in the fact they had all kind of supplies brought up there. I stayed in touch with them, never giving updates about, you know, getting the energy restored. But I kept looking at everything, and then I'd have people approach me and say, what are you going to do for us? Because they already, there was a lot of them. I'm not going to say all, but there was a lot that just didn't like me. Hmm. You know, you're the Richmond County guy. You're coming up here now, and you represent more. What are you going to do for us? Do you even care? Mm -hmm. You know, you had energy. We didn't. What are you going to do for my business? How am I going to be helped? And all I would say was, I do believe something needs to be done. And that's all I would say. The whole time, I was just steadily going through different things and trying to figure out a way. And at the end of uh, several, several weeks, I decided when we go back in session, I think we need to address some some concerns with, with our grid. Mm. And, and I wanted to do it in a way that we would bring everybody to the table. Didn't want to make enemies with energy providers or start a finger-pointing contest and try to act like a big government guy and say, you're going to do this or you're not going to do that, which there's a lot of people putting those words in my mouth. And someone got in touch with me and asked me, hey, can I interview you? I'm like, well, what for? Because, I mean, I'm not used to getting interviewed. Hmm. And we had a discussion about that bill, and next thing I know, I'm starting to see emails pop up a few days later from Fox News, Newsmax, mm -hmm. New York Times, I mean, CNN, all of this stuff. And I'm going, somebody's playing a joke. <laughs> somebody's playing a joke. <laughs> and it wasn't a joke, you know. So I said, I, I don't know how to be interviewed on TV. I, I'm not built for that. I'm just a little small town rural guy. You know, I come up here, do my job, go home. I don't want to be on TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife said, you know, you don't have a choice. You know, you got to talk about the bill. And a, a lot of my friends did, you know, well, you got to go on there now. We're going to be watching it. And I'm like, oh, this should be great, you know. <laughs> and after the first couple, um, which I still got nervous no matter how many times I talked about it, but I made sure to point out that this is a very open-ended bill. It's just a starting point. People are going to hopefully come together and find solutions and stuff that's cost-effective. Didn't want to pass it down to the consumer, but there's a national issue now, and Everybody sees that there's an issue, and I think that was one of the things with why the media kept reaching out to me and asking me, and uh, I always laugh about this one because I think it was Laura Leslie with, mm -hmm. with the news around here. She she had interviewed me, and then about five days later, she had wanted to ask me questions about another bill, one that Kidwell and I did, which is mainly Kidwell's idea, but somehow they thought we were going to start charging these uh doctors and dentists for not keeping their appointments i mean it was i like that bill yeah, yeah. <laughs> i said no just cable providers and like businesses you know we're not going to mess with the with the health people but she called and you know can we have another zoom meeting so we had another zoom meeting she asked about the bill and then when we got through she's still recording you know she said well how do you think this legislative session's going so far 
I said, well, for me personally, it's going real well. Mm-hmm. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, for two years, you never interviewed me at all. <laughs> and in the last six days, you've interviewed me twice. So I'm doing pretty good. You know? and, I'm a star. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And she, she laughed about it, which was, which was nice. But now I get picked on by all my little friends in the legislature. They're, hey, do you have time for us today? And I'm like, yeah, I've got time for everybody, you know. <laughs> My little office is the one between Kyle Hall and Dean Arp. I normally wave it to people when they walk by to see those guys. You know? <laughs> That's funny. That's what I do. But that that bill was a, a good bill. I think it's a good bill. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I got all mm-hmm. the faith in the world that our rules chairman and speaker is going to make sure it gets vetted properly. Hopefully it'll start going through some of the committees and maybe, maybe we can see something get done. I know the Senate's come out with some stuff they would like to see done, and uh, it pertains solely to uh, – penalties and stuff which is good mm-hmm. i've offered to pcs my bill make sure it has some of the penalties in there some people have been asking me about it but i think it's a twofold problem i think we have to address it from many angles before we get to our last question our magic wand question i do want to ask you this we need to point out that there's another declared candidate in this race for labor representative john hardister uh, just want to, you have any reaction to that? Have you guys talked at all? Or, you know, it's another primary you're in with a fellow Republican, a fellow House member, by the way. Is I'm sure you're not looking forward to that, but it's a reality. No, no, I never look forward to that, which uh, <laughs> John's an, a nice guy. Yeah. And I have nothing bad to say about John. It's just going to get down to the voters having a decision between two totally different candidates. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, you sure. know. And whatever the people choose will will be what they choose, and I will take whatever they give me. You know, if they choose, if they decide that I'm the the one they want to choose, then that's great. But if not, then that's fine as well, because there's no hard feelings against John. I mean, I really wish he would look at another statewide office. Mm-hmm. I'd be glad to endorse him for it. <laughs> and, you know, hope he's listening to this. And so, well, he's got a point. Maybe I should go for another state job. There but you go. It, it's it's two guys want the same thing, and we have to go through this process. Uh, I know he put out an exploratory committee and I filed, you know, I stated first that I was going to run and, you know, it was just one of those things, but he's, he's a great guy. I mean, he's been up there for what, 10 years or so mm-hmm. in, in the house and yeah. he's a couple of years younger than I am. So, I mean, you know, he's, I'm 43, <laughs> you know, I thought I was pretty young and I'm like, what well, it was harder street. He's been there a while and he's younger than you, yeah. but it's, uh, unfortunately something we got to go through. We talk a lot about how our politics are divided in this day and age, and that's the point of the podcast is to do politics better. If you had a magic wand and you could change anything in our politics, what would it be? If I had a magic wand, I'd probably remove all the egos on both sides and include mine at some time, you know, at some points. And I try to stay as humble as I can, but I have seen a lot of people in Raleigh who think they are very important, and they may be. They very well might be real important, but I believe if we could find a way to remove some of the egos on both sides, I think, in my opinion, now that's just my own personal opinion. Yeah, I think that that would make things a little easier. And, and plus, you know, you need to try to look through someone else's eyes at other problems that you may not see it. You know, I always try to look at it from different angles. But if I had a magic wand, that would probably be it. I'd I'd be out there right in front of the GA removing egos as they come by and before they walked in the door and they could have them back after we got through with session. And don't get me wrong, I'm honored to be a representative. Sure. You know, I, I love it. 
it's nice having a little special license tag on my old wore out truck you know <laughs> uh, a lot of people look at it and i know they're like there's no way that there's a tag like that on that old wore out toyota that guy's driving but uh i just you're like just wait till you see my tire shop <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like i love parking beside these mercedes and everything i hope yeah. they don't ding my door <laughs> but at the end of the day i guess it's a bunch of different personalities in the house yeah and i, I guess on the senate side too i've never served but that's one thing I have seen on on politics on a state level. If you could just remove some of those egos, it might be a little better. Lobbyists have those egos too. I've seen. Oh yeah, yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Representative Ben Moss, we appreciate everything you're doing in North Carolina politics. Everything you're doing in the General Assembly, you certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank y'all for having me. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. This interview was so good for me. So I have to admit, after the race between Representative Ben Moss and Representative Jamie Bowles, I was a little disappointed. Now, Representative Moss did nothing wrong. They were double bunked, all's fair in politics. Uh, But I was so disappointed that Representative Bowles had lost. If you listen to the podcast and, you know, you know how much Representative Bowles means to me personally, professionally. So I reached out to Representative Moss because I needed to have kind of a taste of my own medicines guy. You know, I talk about like, hey, we need to have conversation. We need to talk. We need to get to know each other. And I had seen him at an event a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we kind of talked and it's good for us to have him on the podcast. I tell you, I'm impressed with this guy. What a story he's had. What a life, what a career, what a political career. And I'm expecting big things from him. Uh, thank you, Representative Moss, for coming on the podcast and talking with us. Tweet of the week. The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. This week's Tweet of the Week is from Alex Miller. He's at Alex Miller NC. And it says, taking away the hallway chairs in the LOB didn't get rid of the lobbyists, so this week they're apparently trying a new tactic. And there's a little gif of Star Wars, smoke them out. This is in reference to the legislative office building. Yeah. Smelling pretty bad this week. I walked in Wednesday morning and I said to the security, I was like, it smells like a campfire in here. And they were like, yeah. And I said, is everyone saying that? And they said, yeah. But they were putting new roofing on the top of the LOB. And I guess I also heard they were supposed to do that in the off session, but there was a delay. And somehow it got into the ducts. And so the whole building just like really had this 
I, I don't know how else to yeah. describe it other than campfire smell, but it does seem sort of fitting because it's kind of like you're at summer camp. My first reaction was, is Representative Mike Clampett cooking? I did think that too, yeah. <laughs> so by the way, going into the tweet of the week, you, you heard an ad from the North Carolina Port Council. We want to thank them for being a sponsor of the podcast. They're, of course, joining the North Carolina Travel Industry Association and the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Thank you for making this podcast possible. We appreciate your support. Super Bowl Sunday, Sky. You got a team you're rooting for? Not really. Me either. Panthers are not in it. Steelers are not in it. So I'm just here for the commercials. Growing up, though, I did have a friend whose parents were like really big Chiefs fans. Really? And it was so odd in the middle of Illinois because everyone's like a Colts fan there. And they had a whole room dedicated to it in their house. And I remember just thinking, this is weird. Yeah. So for their purposes, the Frederick family, I hope, I hope the Chiefs win for y'all. You'll pull for the Chiefs, okay. <laughs> I've never been to Kansas City. I've been to Philly a few times. Uh, so I'm kind of going for Philly. But, you know, again, without... They just a, won... Re- I mean, I guess they both have won recently. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. You know, I listen to some sports podcasts on Barstool. And they have sweatshirts. And I thought about getting it for our client, um, Greg, who's a yeah. Philly fan. And the front says, no one likes us and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to respect that. I've always loved football. Loved, loved football. The Super Bowl has always been that crowning game. Just love it. Then, you know, when your team's not in it, and I grew up a Steelers fan because they were so good in the 70s early 80s, then you just want a close game, right? You just want a game that goes down to the fourth quarter. Not anymore. I want it to be a blowout. To go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Halftime. Halftime, I'd like the score to be 41 to 7, and then I'll just go to bed and wake up and, you know, read the headlines the next day. That is the stages, I believe, of aging and being a football fan. Also... We had a legislator reach out to us about kickball. That's right. We need to... Announce. Announce some kickball games. Yeah. Now, we should point out that that message came yesterday because it was 70 degrees out, and it was a perfect day for kickball. Are we convinced that we should kick off kickball so early in the season? I mean, it could be cold. Well, then we can cancel. All right. So starting this Wednesday, the 15th, at 5 o'clock, we will have kickball every other week. If it's too cold, we'll cancel, but it seems like it's going to be pretty nice on Wednesday. Yeah. Sunset is at 549 now. Right now. So it should yeah. be a few minutes later next right, So we can get maybe a 45-minute game in, and then we'll uh, yeah. have a drink. Yeah. Love to have you. At this event, legislators, staffers, lobbyists, journalists, listeners. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, anybody. Come on out. Bipartisan, bicameral, you know, we'll have a good time. All right. As things continue to get more hectic, we will update y'all next week on the news of the week. We'll talk about the kickball game. I am sure of that. And whatever other news comes our way. But until then, enjoy this nice weather. Go outside, have some fun with your friends and family, and always remember to do politics better.